1: Today's topic is the connected ecosystem with my friend, Bill Viddy. How's it going, Bill? Great, Joe. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to talk to you. You work for a company. We're just talking about a company that's 30 years old. It sounds like a tech company, does tech company things, but it's 30 years old. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about um, TransFlow. But before we get into all that, Bill, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today.
0: Yeah, great. So I'm Bill Viddy. I'm the president and CRO of TransFlow. Been with the company for just over seven months i'm calling from phoenix arizona i know you're in detroit joe so a little different weather here but we pay for it in the summer our headquarters our uh, transflows headquarters are in tampa florida and we do two core things we do workflow automation and back office automation and then we do telematics and mobile for for carriers so and we really serve three core groups we serve brokers carriers and factoring companies. We do have some, some shippers as well. And we can talk about that as we go.
1: Yep. So now you mentioned workflow automation. And normally when i talk to people, they're like the workflow they're talking about is get me a load. And then it's talking about, you know, can I track my load? It's all about that end of it, but you're, you're kind of coming at it from a different perspective. What the the problems you're solving are, is more related to when you say telematics, that's ELD, right? Right. Right. So so I know that it's beyond that, but what is the ELDs for people who have not had, for, for people who are listening who aren't related to uh, trucking?
0: Yeah. So we have over 40,000 electronic logging devices or ELDs that are in cab of trucks. And there was a mandate, government mandate around hours of service and much like the airline industry with pilots and how, how many hours a driver can drive every day and what behaviors and in trying to bring additional safety to to the road and to the trucking industry. And so there is the initial thought with an ELD was to service the government mandates. But if you look at that and say, hey, that's the basics, right? That's kind of table stakes that you have to do certain things. <clears throat> and we looked at it and a lot of others are looking at it saying, well, what else can we do with that that electronic logging device that's in the cab? How do we help service the driver better? How do we help them find more success? How do we make their job easier? Right. Trying extremely difficult job. It's often very thankless. There's a lot of manual work. There's a lot of waiting around. And so how do we help with the seamless integration between a telematics device and a mobile device? And really that's the core for TransFlow is that we have a seamless workflow uh, between those two devices. So we have over 3.2 million downloads of our mobile app. And you connect for carriers, for drivers, and you Whoa. connect that with the LD device. And now you have really a super app that brings power in the hands of a carrier or a fleet and a driver to make their day
1: much easier. Yeah. So I want to ask a few questions here. So when you mentioned hours of service, so sometimes you see hours of service, it will say HOS. And for a long time, drivers would have manual logbooks. And uh, uh, some people, I'm not saying all, some people were uh, reported to have two sets of books. One, if they got pulled over, how many hours have you, and you're only allowed to work a certain amount of hours per day. And that's a whole separate podcast. We'll get into that. Yeah. But what ended up happening is the government, oh, what is it, five, seven years ago said, it could be five years ago already, maybe. So they said, you have to have an electronic logging device or ELD in your truck. And that, that's just this is the telematics that you talk about. And we're going to actually track how much your truck's driving. And we're going to be able to, that that won't be able to be, you can't mess with it. And I remember, I know there's multiple ELDs out there. I think there was 38 of them. And I think there is probably not as many now. I got to think there's some fallout after all this, but one of the challenges I think is people didn't want these ELDs. We were kind of resistant as an industry because, they're and by the way, it's not all positive, but it's law. But I don't think we didn't realize that we would have the, like a visibility revolution right after we got the ELDs. Because that is what a lot of other companies, Project 44 and others that have said we will get it inside. So I'm assuming you guys partner with a whole bunch of companies from in the visibility space.
0: We have dozens of. Dozens of integrations uh, with visibility and with TMS systems and so forth. And our, our real goal is to make the mandate, the government mandate, a, a, from really to turn it from a mandate to a must-have. Where yes. the driver says, "Man, how do I operate without this thing?" Before I had this electronic logging device, right? So no one wanted it. It, it was intrusive. It was you know, the government in the cab with them. But you know, we said again, how can we bring value to this? We started off in document. Imaging. so again we started off 30 years ago in document imaging. If you think about a driver and their days on the road and number of days on the away from their family and their house, well there's a ton of documents that go through the ecosystem every day with the delivery of bill ladings and invoices and all these different documents that need to be shared back and forth and most importantly they need to be shared to get paid. So until that document's received from the from the driver back to the the shipper or the broker, there's not a payment that's happening, right? So we started off 30 years ago as a tech company in that. So we formed relationships with with the physical truck stops and they had scanning operations there. So scanners, which are still there today. Believe it or not, we still have an exclusive deal with, you know, you go to a TA pilot loves. you're going to see our scanners there for drivers to access that. And we want to meet the drivers where they're at. So they're still there today. They're still used. We also have.
1: Are those still used at the same level that they were used? Uh, it's diminishing a bit. Time? Yeah, it's
0: diminishing a bit. And obviously we're trying to drive the carriers to their mobile app. And so that's a big right. part of the mobile app is, hey, you can scan it all. And there's really, you know, the scanning technologies change dramatically in terms of, you know, you can see, we can now see instantly, is it a good scan, bad scan? Is it readable? Is it on someone's lap? And you can see the cup of coffee there. Uh, there's all kinds of funny things that can happen. So we're able to push it back right up front. Now what, do, what documents are those typically, Bill? They typically run the bill of lading and proof of delivery, those documents. And so getting that back and getting paid faster is what it's all about. And that's really you know what the carrier's interested in. Oftentimes, drivers, somewhat hand to mouth, they, they deliver a load. Historically, they'd have to mail that they would wait, you know, the, the mail would take seven days. It would get back, maybe processed at a broker or a factoring company and the payment would be 30 days after the point of receipt. So now we're able to automate that timeline to get the drivers paid faster. So it's instantly sent back to a shipper or a broker, a factoring company, and then the payment moves so much faster. So, and then you know, I think about 30-year-old tech companies. There's not many 30-year-old tech companies no. at all. You know, I think about uh, Amazon's 27 years old. I think uh, Netflix is, you know, 23, and Amazon is, uh, Google is 24 years old. So to say that we're a 30 year old software company and freight tech company uh, in the space, you know, obviously with that comes a lot of trust and uh, density as well, which is critically important in the business. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you, by the way, you mentioned the hand to mouth. And I was going to say, for those of you who aren't, Kind of a, aware of the plight, especially the owner operators. I'm assuming that's who you're working with, a lot of smaller fleets and owner operators.
0: We actually work with both. We work with small fleets and even the market. So we're you know we have over sixty five thousand fleets in our portfolio. yeah, which is about it represents about eight hundred thousand eight hundred thousand drivers on a monthly basis that are using are actively involved with our ecosystem. So it's a it's a huge part of the North American
1: fleet if you will right so you mentioned the hand to mouth a lot of times you're not paid until you can prove the proof of delivery and we for anyone who's kind of listened to my podcast you just think that this stuff is just all this information's flying around and it's like no problem i got a call from a consulting company and talked to them a little bit about a very large shipper that we would all recognize the name who wasn't getting paid on by a very large company so that you would know because they couldn't come up with the proof of delivery, and I, and it's funny when I was listening and they were talking to me about it, saying how you know I was potentially going to help, I was thinking, are you kidding me? Proof of delivery is, that, but that we take it for granted. I mentioned to my brother in law who is an automotive guy. He goes, oh yeah, it's still it's still a huge problem. So it's not it's not a given that that proof of delivery gets in the right hand. When I was still moving freight, I would get phone calls sometimes from my my customers saying. I told you I needed that yesterday and it's not here. And I was like, I'm looking over at my guys. Did that get there? Yeah. Yeah. You delivered yesterday. Just like you said, send them the proof of delivery. Well, we don't have it yet. And that, I mean, and that used to just freak me out. Like, how do I not have it in this day and age that information should be moving like that? And somehow, some way I didn't get a proof of delivery, no proof of delivery, no payment. (laughs) That's right. That's right.
0: So yeah, we're really working hard to, and we have for thirty years to try to simplify that process and put the power in the literally in the driver's hands to complete. A lot of people don't like paperwork. I, I hate doing my expenses, taxes, are the worst thing. Oh yeah, for me, sending document, I would imagine if, if I was a driver is no fun. But if I can simplify that in in be able to scan on my phone and and do it in seconds and get it to the right parties and. You know, it just really empowers the, and it really builds trust in the ecosystem because it's so much faster. And if you look at a lot of brokers and factoring companies and shippers, they have quite a few people in their back office today that are doing the manual exceptions. They're looking at, hey, where is this, where's this document? We have all these different pieces of paper, but we don't have this one thing that we need until we get this one thing where we can't pay this driver. And so that starts this whole thing of hundreds or thousands of phone calls each day to try to track down the driver that's on the road, that's busy trying to make right. money. And it's because, you know, the simple miss, right? So trying to automate that process and identify that faster for the carrier to help them to say, hey, you're missing this. Let's get this Let's, let's get
1: this in the system so we can get you paid. Yeah, and if you don't get that, if you can't get that proof of delivery and prove that you did it, you can't get paid, which means, and sometimes you're, you're factoring that money, we'll get into that in a minute, You need that money to pick up the next load because gas is very expensive. I've said this before on my podcast, going to a truck stop is 20% more expensive than going to Walmart. So life on the road is not cheap. And driving a truck, I think those are $200,000 plus sometimes. And to have a small fleet where you say, I'm trying to fill the tanks. I'm trying to pay the drivers, maybe paying for some rooms. I need that money now. I don't need it in 30 days. I'm out of business in 30 days. Sometimes, right? right. Yeah, I've literally seen it before. Where you know
0: a couple bad things happen in a row for a small, especially owner operators. That you know, maybe they have some engine issues. They don't get paid a couple of their jobs they've done, and they're in a really bad position financially. And it, it can change quickly. You get two or three bad things happen in a row, and you know potentially it could be out of business. So. We want to help bring additional success and simplicity to the carriers. And that's one thing I love about Translo is we've started very carrier-centric and driver-centric. and Say, this is the lowest common denominator. If, if the driver's not successful, the whole industry has problems. And we've certainly seen that through COVID and what's happened with all the supply chain issues. It's it's really the first time in my career it's been cool to talk about supply chain and oh, freight right at a cocktail party with what we do and the importance of it everyone wants to know where their stuff is and what's happening and why is it so challenging right and big part of it is you know
1: i've said this on my podcast a few times i didn't make it up somebody said it and they said the number one question in this business is where's my stuff and the number two question is where's my money and you guys answer both those questions we'll get into that (laughs) but um i want to go before we go too far much further into this. I want to uh, understand a little bit about you. I know you've been there, done that, got the hat. Tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights, just the back of the napkin until you joined Transflow. Yeah, we'll do. So, hey, like you, I am uh,
0: from Michigan. I, I grew up in Detroit. Michi- in, Michigander? Uh, in Michigander. So, a great place to grow up. Good people. What city did you grow up in? I grew up in Dearborn in Plymouth.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm from Dearborn. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you but you didn't really go, you didn't go to the Dearborn schools though, right? Did not.
0: I was a public school kid.
1: I be, I
0: played basketball. You can't tell from the podcast, but I'm pretty tall. I'm six six, and thankfully I uh, was recruited to play basketball at a, at a great school called Detroit Catholic
1: Central, and they're kind of a powerhouse in, in sports. And that's a great academic school, and it's a great athlete school, It's athletic school here. And I know it's moved since. It moved to the suburbs since you went there <laughs>
0: but right. maybe a little bit softer a little bit softer these days than when i was there but yeah it really was great it changed my expectations i went from again a public school which hey was a great school i just wasn't highly focused on academics and it wasn't drilled in my family and, and when i went to catholic central i very quickly saw man the bar is very high the the kids work differently my first report card was a wake up call that uh, <laughs> it's it up my game, but it really set the tone for my, in many ways, my life. From you know, we all know we we make great deep friendships during that time period, and so it really helped change my trajectory where I was going and what I wanted to do, and the expectations I had for myself, and also knowing I could do more. I was I was nervous about that that transition, and figured out, hey, I can do this. I'm. I've got, I've got it in me to uh, do well. I can play basketball.
1: I can figure out the academics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then I went (laughs) to uh, a school called Saginaw Valley State. I played basketball in college and, you know, so I had a scholarship there and it was a great run division two school. got to play all four years and, you know, I'm competitive. I love that aspect. I love also the team aspect and trying to learn to
1: grind too. You learn time management when you're a student athlete, because you got to, full-time job and you're going to school. There was a lot of balancing trying
0: to trying to juggle. My claim to fame in basketball was I was dunked on by many, many professional basketball players. So I was always the guy in the poster. And I think I was, I know I was dunked on by all five of the Fab Five from Michigan. So <laughs> that, that's my claim to fame. But from there I went to, um, I moved out to the other extreme from Saginaw, it's Saginaw, Michigan to Pepperdine in Malibu, California, so. Wow. Yeah, I moved across country. I got a job with a a, a big conglomerate, in so
1: would you? Would you study at Pepperdine? Just an MBA? It was an MBA. Yeah,
0: so marketing and, and management. Thankfully, it's something that uh, I use every day, so it's back in there, in my mind some somewhere. Same with Saginaw Valley. Had the same majors. and so moved across country out of right out of college, undergrad, and joined a company called Teneco Automotive. A big auto parts company. So, oh yeah,
1: yeah, they're really, huge. My roots
0: from Detroit tied me into that. It's Monroe Auto Parts and Walker Exhaust Systems, and uh so great company to start with. They actually paid for my MBA, which I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. At Pepperdine, and it was kind of surreal growing up in Detroit and then going to school in in Malibu.
1: Was that's a that's a rich
0: kid school, Bill.
1: <laughs> well, I was not in that
0: category, and <laughs> you noticed them, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So and you know so i was with Tenneco. i was uh, in sales and marketing i uh, moved to their headquarters in chicago to be a product manager i actually fell into it was interesting the company was moving from chicago to detroit and their headquarters and a lot of the executives left and i was you know under 30 and i had about four promotions in a year because everyone left and so i was uh, very quickly Basically, they had a marketing and I was about 28 years old and had, you know, multi-million-dollar budget and making commercials. And so super interesting. And again, it was one of those things where you just thrust into gotta figure it out. And I think automotive is yeah. a great
1: proving ground, because I, I say it all the time on my podcast. It's the biggest, baddest supply chain on earth. It seems like after you've moved out of that, the volumes are like, is that all we're moving? What? Right, <laughs> like, We're not moving 10 truckloads a day. What are we doing over here?
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that was really my first entry into transportation supply chain. I saw a lot of the the issues in terms of transportation and-, and Oh, much and worse the, then. Capacity and um, some of the issues, you know, with the order fills and, and then also reverse logistics. And I, from there, I was recruited by the, the, the former chief marketing officer at Taneco to a company called Chep Pallets. And Chep is- a global pallet pooling. So it's a wooden pallet rental business and they have about a billion pallets globally. It's one of those things you don't think about, but incredible business, I think they're about $5 billion. And that was a, a great role. I was uh, director of marketing and really new products and in, in, innovation for for Chap. looking at, hey, we have all these pallets, what else can we do? And so we looked at containers and uh, I was, you know, deeply involved with with launching new businesses for them. But that was my first deep dive into supply chain, which was a great, and that was a global perspective as well. And then I was recruited by Swift, and that's what moved me to Phoenix, wow. Arizona 15 years ago. So I was the initially the VP of marketing and strategy for Swift.
1: Now, they're one of the largest trucking companies, right? They were
0: the largest trucking company at the time. They've since merged with, with Knight, as you know. And so now they're even, even bigger. But even with that, they're just, I think, about 2 or 3% of the overall trucking industry is you know, most trucking companies and fleets are five trucks and less. I think it's 97% of the fleets are under five trucks. So it's to add, you know, we were at 20,000 trucks, very small percentage, but I really got a great appreciation for how difficult the trucking industry is, how thankless the driving community can be and how difficult it is, it's a lifestyle being on the road nonstop. So I really had a lot of compassion that came from that, that it served me well. And and been a big part of what I, Get excited about every day in my current role. But uh, from uh, I was the head of marketing strategy, then I took over as the president of the brokerage uh, group. Oh, wow. There in 3PL business. And so we were basically a startup company and went from a startup to about $130 million run rate in three years. And so it was a great run externally. We did a lot of cool things, including getting into warehousing and single sourcing a lot of facilities and getting some pretty big scale internally it was really challenging because it's an asset based company. They they love trucks and they focused on that. So trying to get the trying mental to get model, tech wouldn't have been easy. <laughs> it was a little challenging, but did a you know, we had a good good run there. And and then from there I got recruited to to be the first first executive at truckstop.com, which is a load board and freight matching company. And a Freight marketplace they do much more than the load board today. But I was the first executive brought in to the executive that, from the industry. And so when I joined there, the company was about $200 million of value. And we I knew we were bringing private equity in. And that was part of that process. And so we brought a firm called Bergall Sagebound in, and which is important because it i it came full circle. I'm working with them again now. But I <laughs> had a great run with them. I was I think I was employee 155 when I joined and today they're over a thousand employees so it was a great run they went from 200 million dollars in value when i was there to about 1.2 billion so they were a tech unicorn and just a great run very profitable through that time i was really passionate about the impact that the truck stop had on the driver they were very much like Transflow. truck stop is very much on how do we help the driver be successful how do we help bring additional value and success to them every day and and help get them home or help them make more money, help them get paid faster. And so that part was really compelling to me. And what I learned from that, you know, so I think the two two things, you know, I, I love the journey I had at Swift and building. I, I learned that I'm a builder. I love that, that aspect, creating jobs, yeah. helping families be successful, helping with career paths. And and likewise at a truck stop, we created some incredible jobs, uh, created you know, a lot of value for our customer base and and really helped connect this ecosystem. We all know that trucking and freight is, you know, it's a little bit of a laggard in technology. And so to be able to take technology and help accelerate success and bring additional insights and simplify all these processes, that to me, that, that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. So when and why did you join Transflow? You had options. You, you've done some great things. I'm sure you had lots of options. You could have ended up in it. I mean, there's so many brand new companies, right? Shiny new. How'd you end up at TransFlow?
0: Yeah, so I I left Truckstop stop and took about a year off. I did it's kind of soul searching what I want to do next. And I did some hiking and was all over the place from just trying to experience life. I have two kids. I'm an empty nester. I had a small window before they went off to college. I wanted to spend with them. So I had a year of doing Most that. people
1: never have that option. I mean, if you were to tell your dad that, he would say, Oh, I was unemployed for a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no I, soul searching. <laughs> no, no. I I felt
0: guilty. I knew I'd get back into it. I'm passionate about you know, transportation and freight and freight technology, and I knew I wouldn't be back into in freight tech and software. I love that aspect. I love working with customers, getting on site, brokers and carriers, and looking at their operations and helping them as a consultant. Right. So I don't. I I really came up from a sales and marketing background, but I really view myself as. I want our, my, myself and my team to be able to help empower and bring insights to our customers. And so in December, Brigal Sagebound, who was the first investor in, in truckstop.com invested in Transflow. And so they were, the, they're a majority investor in Transflow. There's two other private equity firms that are fantastic that uh, are included as well. They called me in, in December about the opportunity and my, my, and I, I wanted to work with Sagebound again. I had a great run with them at truckstop. Just, you know, it's you know how it is. It's when you have trust, you understand how another party works and the people and they're very much a work hard, play hard culture. And I want to be a part of that again. So I was specifically looking to work with Sagemount again. I also, it's interesting when I was at Swift, the one of the heads of finance, Renee Krug and I really hit it off. And Renee went on from Swift to be the CFO of Global Trans and the CEO of Global Trans and she had a tremendous run. We were trying to hire each other back and forth for 15 years. <laughs> and
1: These are all juggernauts together. you're talking really about.
0: Yeah, joined me. She was saying the same thing. And um, so we wanted to work together. So this was an interesting one with with Transfer where it, it feels like manifested this opportunity. I wanted to work with SageMont. I wanted to work with Renee. I wanted to find a company that was a leader that had density and scale. You know the importance of that. There's a lot of cool UI, UX, and ideas that come out. But having a company with real depth, that's a household name that companies rely on every single day. I mean, we have $119 billion worth of freight going through our ecosystem annually, right? So the ability right. to take that that base and take it to the next level, to me, is super exciting, especially with private equity behind it. So it was a no-brainer for me to work with those parties again, Then an already great Translo team, and to build upon that group, to bring in some new leadership as well, and then to really... Take a, a company that's a household name leader to a hyper growth company after thirty years. So I, I think it's a really unique opportunity.
1: Yeah, well, there's some things you've you said that that just speaks to the scale of Transflow. So you said you have uh, a, an app that you people download. How many downloads did you say there were?
0: Yeah, we have three point two million
1: downloads of our app by drivers. Yeah, that's – see, that's a crazy amount when you think about it because everybody now says they have an app. And I I say this all the time. I saw Mark Cuban on Shark Tank and he said – somebody was making a pitch for an app and he said, how many apps do you use? And he goes – and then he says, I've invested in apps. I love the idea of it. He goes, the average American uses like seven apps. And I always think like what do I – I weigh myself so I'm trying to lose weight. So I, I, I use that one. But I'm not using it all the time, Right. I'm also not paying anything to those guys, right? I'm not the premium. There's a lot of people think that the app is going to be, oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to give this and drivers are going to download it. I know that drivers have to be saying, I know how I am. If I downloaded right now onto my phone 10 apps, my phone would be telling me, you must delete some apps. So they don't want to download everybody's new app. When I say, hey, you don't understand. We're brand new and we're really good at tech. You're like, I need loads, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. If
0: you're trying to solve a specific issue, right? So, whether it's loads and if yeah, there's some loads
1: price. or tracking or whatever you're talking about.
0: Yeah, tracking, document imaging. And there's a lot of companies that offer a single focus on something like, hey, we do loads, we do document management, we do this. And, you know, for a driver, it's interesting that there's so many op- options out there, but it, it actually creates a lot of noise. And, you know, yes. I think I think a lot of people thought we'd be as an industry further along with, you know, solutions and integrated, seamless workflows that just all talk to each other. And, it, it you know, unfortunately, it just hasn't happened. You know, a lot of companies want to have their own app. There's so many things that pop up that are just, again, like one small thing they do. And that's where I think a company, that's part of why I love the idea of Transflow is that we have this incredible density and importance. There's 800,000 drivers that use this on a monthly basis. That rely on us and they want to do you know as much as possible everything within one app so we want to be you know we're already somewhat of an app of apps uh, or a super app right and one stop shop is time. what you want to be yeah yeah you can do everything in that app right maybe you're not going to buy your amazon goods or find a dog sitter or something but you everything you needed to, to run your business successfully is in the app right and we're going to continue to expand on our capabilities and, and I think that's what the customers are using for it. That's what drivers are looking for. And that connectivity, as we start talking, you know, as we talk to brokers and factoring companies and shippers about our connectivity to the driver, I, that's why I love that. That's where Translo started because that's where it all happens. That's what the shippers and brokers want and factoring companies want the intel about the driver. They want to help the driver be successful. They want to connect better with driver and serve them better. And those are all aspects we provide and i did look at my number of apps i have most smartphones i think there's 80 apps on a smartphone i have 258 i don't know why i think i'm a a tech junkie or something i'll i'll try it but to your point on a daily basis you only use five to seven apps right and there's how many apps you use that you download once you try to get some value out of it and you never use
1: it again because I it. Didn't. I'm, I tried to download uh, or I'm sorry, delete an app the other day and I, I don't even know what this is. I want to delete it. And then my, my phone wouldn't let me. And I was like, I was like, I'm not going to force the issue because maybe it kills my phone if it gets off there. But there, there's a lot of fly by night stuff uh, that, and not even related to tech, but this yeah. is the challenge. And you know, what? this is another thing you said that caught my attention. $119 billion worth of freight moves through your systems I think we said before we hit record that there's $800 billion worth of freight every year. So about one eighth or more is going through your system. And right. that's, that speaks to that, that longevity, but it also speaks to it works. And so, you know, somebody's looking around and saying, what, what, do I, what app do I want to, or what telematics company do I want to work with? What ELD company do I want to work with? These are the guys.
0: Right. Right. And, and it is, powerful you think about 119 billion dollars worth of freight and having that that data, the access to the data that we have is unparalleled. I've I've seen I've worked with a few companies that have deep density in terms of documents that they see and in, in data around rates or you know who the carriers are, what lanes they run and so forth. But we have $119 billion worth of freight that we're in the transaction, right? So it's it's the actual document your data and, must be pretty good too. <laughs> it's 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 really good, but it's gonna get way better because we have a new platform we just launched. Part of the reason I joined Transflow again was because of the density we have in the trust, and we've been neutral for for thirty years. We've never really pivoted and or changed our direction, right? We're always serving these core customers as a neutral marketplace, right? So we want to help all parties. Rise up and be successful. So we're not a broker. We don't have a factoring company. We don't have any conflicts in the market. We just want to help our customers be successful. That's never changed in 30 years. And with that 119 billion dollars worth of spend that goes through us, we have a new platform we just launched. We spent two years and millions of dollars in launching this. It's called Intelligent Automation, and that's a workflow automation platform. And really, if you think about a document, it might what say a bill of lading that goes through. It gets scanned and sent in for payment and for verification, right? And historically, the document technology that's out there in terms of reading that is able to look at it and say, hey, I know this is a bill of and I can see that. It's far enough to know that. And maybe pick a, a few elements off the document, which is interesting, but there's not enough information pulled off that. So this new platform we've launched, Intelligent Automation, we call IA, is able to extract all the different fields off the document every single field, including a lot of uh, handwriting. Now, we're not going to see if someone scribbles something on there, but we can see oftentimes there's a temperature. It's supposed to ship at 38 degrees, right? And then the driver will write on there that it it shipped at 40 degrees, right? So is that a problem? We can can pull that off. We can notify the parties in the supply chain saying, hey, there could be an issue here potentially. Maybe call the driver or you want to inspect it at point of delivery. So those are simple things we can do with this now. So we're going from 95%. We can see what document type it is. 90%, we can extract the data cleanly and categorize it, store it, give it to the right parties in the ecosystem that might need that. So we, that same paperwork can go, we can send the pieces they need to the right parties in this connected ecosystem, which is the topic of our show here today. And we can you know take that data and make... Actionable insights from it, so that's really the key to the data we have. So this dense ecosystem, and the other exciting thing is we're able to. I mentioned that there's a lot of manual labor that happens in the back office. Of people picking up the phone looking for information, we're able to streamline that. We're able to automate the exception management process, and we have a sixty percent with this new platform that we've just launched a few months ago. A sixty percent lights out, no human interaction involvement with the documentation. And then the, the gap, we're able to, to highlight exactly on the document, what are the issues they need to look into, and, and put it in the queue for someone to now intelligently look and say, hey, they're missing this, or and it instantly getting back in touch with the driver or the, that party in the ecosystem. So it's really a game changer what we've launched, and it gets to a massive trend that's happening, not just in logistics, but overall in the world is uh, hyper-automation. And Gartner launched a study that there's $600 billion being spent in hyper-automation. That, that's just the idea of automating everything you can possibly automate and taking humans out of this manual processes so that really don't add value. And so that is what we're doing is hyper-automation that we're saying, hey, we can, we can help our brokers. We can help our carriers. We can help, help our factoring companies automate lights out 24-7, 365. And go do things that add value to your customers. Go focus on customer service. Go help the
1: driver find better loads and so on and so forth. So it's really remarkable. You know, you mentioned uh, you guys started a scanning. And <clears throat> by the way, we when we could start scanning stuff and emailing it or uploading it to our system, whether it was a TMS or an automation platform, that was all well and good. We all loved it, right? But the static information now when you're able to pull that off of a document and put it into a field now it now it's it's no longer static it's dynamic now i can glean insights from it so you're taking something that was basically worthless not so long ago i shouldn't say worthless it was great that we could have a scanned document it was better than have a piece of paper being mailed but this is the next level where we're saying now i'm taking the the information off this putting into a field developing insights. And again, with that much freight moving through your systems, you guys have had excellent insights. Bill, I know I'm going to lose you. So I want to get, I want to talk about you. You, you mentioned before we hit record that you have four groups that you work with. And I want to talk, go through with each one of them, carriers, brokers, factoring companies, and you, you said shippers, they all are using that same platform, this intelligent automation platform.
0: It's a new platform. So we're, we're rolling. Some are now. using it. Yeah, some are using it. We, but our you know our previous platform is fantastic. It's, this is like the new and improved, but dramatic impact, right? So that is an offering for all those parties, and they all get value. A lot of it, again, it's it's a common pain point where there's manual intervention that just doesn't need to be there, right? That is not any value to it. So that is a, a common um, pain that we solve. The in and, and it really gets into helping the driver be successful so on the carrier side we do the back office automation as well we have then we have the mobile and telematics which is a seamless workflow automation it just ties everything together so if you're in your cab great if you're at a truck stop doing something you still have all the access to that information and it's just a super powerful tool to run a fleet so So that's so that's
1: taking that that bill of lading and what, when, when they're trying to get paid, what do they have to show? Bill, of blading, proof of delivery? What else do they have to show document-wise?
0: That's really the key. There, there could be lumper fees. It's another example where it's you know, getting help unloading. And those can cause a lot of havoc because they sometimes pop up later after the, the shipment's been delivered. I hate, and I hate
1: those. The, the lumper fees, those lumpers are the guys who are unloading and loading. And sometimes there's fees that the companies have to pay. You don't run across it all the time, but a certain businesses seem to have a lot of them.
0: Yes, they do. They do.
1: So I was just going to say, so for the carriers, you're doing workflow automation and, and you sell telematics. So when you say telematics, what is that? What does telematics include? I know ELD is something they have to have. What else is there?
0: So it's the ELD and then the mobile mobile platform as well. So that's where we have 3.2 million app downloads with a holistic bundle it automatically to seamless with the ELD, it connects to the ELD, but then it provides other value. And we have a lot of things we've developed ourselves in terms of solutions for our drivers. And then we have a lot of partnerships in there as well that we're working with companies like DriveWise To And we have routing tools and fuel optimization and different tools we're able to bring into one holistic
1: app for, to, to, manage the fleet. So, so any driver who has that says, hey, I'm assuming you can get them a discount on fuel sometimes.
0: Yes. Yes. And that's an area that we're, you know, more and more focused there. And especially right now with the, the headwinds and the, the cost of, of diesel. And so there's a lot of excitement about, it. but also like waste tasting, waste station bypass, all the routing navigation, the visibility tracking, we have that built into our app as well. So and that's a seamless solution we have. And we're able to partner, you know, with all these integrations we have throughout the supply chain with just to make it a seamless transaction for our for our customers.
1: So now when you go from carrier to broker, what value do you have for the brokers?
0: Yeah, on the broker side, uh, most much, much of it is the workflow automation, the back office. Again, there's often depending on the size of the company, there's multiple people, if not hundreds of people in the back office. Oh, yeah. It's crazy to say they're hundreds of people in the back office doing manual labor and exception management and phone calls to try to verify documents and loads and deliveries and the ability to streamline that and automate it. And you know, think about the ability to eliminate fraud or just improve that connection. And hey, if you're a broker and you have a bad interaction with a carrier, really a lot of times, no fault to anyone. It's just the, the, uh, a gap between how they communicate right. You can lose that driver forever. Well, they'll say, "I'll never do business again with this with this broker." Right? So, we really
1: help improve the relationships as well. Oh yeah, and I've said this. I've said this on my podcast a few times. It's a lot. Of, a lot of times, there's drivers who are immigrants, and I remember I just said this on another podcast I did. I remember calling a guy, and it was because it was I stupidly one time said I want all the calls to come to my house after hours. I've later, I decided that that will be for my team from now on. But I did get some great insights on those days that I did it. Sure. But I remember you search to realize how many of those drivers are immigrants and they're very comfortable with, with the tech and very comfortable with texting, but not very comfortable getting on the phone. And by the way, I always say the same thing. None of us want a driver on the expressway talking on the phone. They don't want to do it. We shouldn't want them to do it. So um, having a having a an app that we all agree to use makes life a lot easier.
0: (laughs) It does. It does. And that's, you know, drivers get used to it. They, and they, again, they want just a handful. They're only going to use a handful of apps and that's where the app fatigue comes in. And and they're going to pick a few key partners they have and a few key solutions. So maybe they use three to five different apps and and that's it. And we, you know, it's interesting. We offer for brokers and uh, we offer a white label and a carriers as well. We offer to white label our mobile app.
1: Oh, so we that's can, nice yeah yes
0: yeah, so we can take our app with all the functionality and the decades of work we've done on it and provide that to our carriers or brokers with their skin on it you know everyone wants to have their own mobile app but to have a seamless workflow that's already built out that we spend millions of dollars a year to enhance and improve and maintain why would
1: anyone want to develop their own app right when we already Bill, have we, a super- we gotta get we gotta get to that because you think about this like right now and you know using our laptops. or, or I'm never. i I'm not going to send you uh, something other than a Word or an Excel document or a Google Doc, something that you go, oh, okay, yeah, everybody uses that. I'm not going to send you something that requires you to download another <laughs> software. And life is good because of that. We, we have some standards. We need standards in this business. And that means at some point we have to pick one. And Maybe for load boards, you say it could be truck stop. Why would I? Cr- if right now, one of those VCs said, Joe, Bill, go start a, a load board. You'd be like, I hope you got a lot of money. Right, <laughs> right. But there's nothing new under the sun for it. That would be half the problem. So, yeah, I love the idea that you're white labeling. And so you get to the place where it says there might be multiple apps, but they're all basically work the same way and have the same same back office, so to speak.
0: Yeah. with in you know, the fun part in today's day and age with, with APIs, we can tie in to someone else's app. If, if, if a big carrier has their own app, they're really proud of them have density. We can punch in maybe our document scanning app, you know, or some other functionality that we've built out into their app as well. So it doesn't have to be a holistic. Right.
1: Right. Solution. You, you guys partner with everybody and you do, it seems like you got lots of partnerships already. I love that. This is where, this is what we need in our industry. Cause again, it's, we are a little behind the curve on setting some standards that are much needed. So you mentioned factoring. So how do you work with factoring companies and what's the value that you provide to them?
0: Yeah, it's it's very similar to a broker. I factoring companies are interesting that they have been growing dramatically, right? So they you know, a lot of times the carrier, especially owner operators, the smaller carriers, are looking at their book of business, their collections and getting payment faster. They're outsourcing their receivables to uh, factoring companies and saying, Hey, I'm going to you for a discount. I'll, uh, I'm going to lose, let's say 3%. But I, you know, I, I just want to drive and be successful driving. That's my core competency. So I'm going to use a factoring company. Say move a load to get paid from the factoring company.
1: And you're paid, you're paid like next day, right?
0: Yeah. Often. And in, in a lot of the factoring companies, well, factoring's now about 50 to 70% of broke. Brokers are using smaller carriers typically. And most, in 50 to 70% of the time, they're paying a factoring company versus paying the carrier directly. So there's really been a lot of proliferation and growth in the factoring business. And there's some powerhouse companies in that space. So we provide the workflow automation for them as well, the back office automation. And they're becoming very sophisticated, the factoring companies are, with technology and helping their carriers get paid faster. So that's really the name of the game. For the factoring companies, is, it's streamlining the documentation. And that's where the whole connected ecosystem comes back in. And now we're able to share documents as we are scanning and doing other workflow management and tracking. We're able to share this information to the right party without, you know, again, we're neutral. We don't own a factoring company. There's some others that aren't neutral in the space that, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's yeah, in the you're, just,
1: you're just connecting to the best options out there. And how many yeah. factoring companies do you work with? We have dozens of factory companies and growing. That's a big growth. industry. So it's nice to have the options because maybe one time you say, I'm going to go with this guy because you you might not need your money overnight. So if you don't need your money overnight, if you can wait seven days, that's cheaper. Right. And it's nice to have options. Right. And, And also it's happened so quickly because the tech is there. I got to tell you guys, early in my career, I worked for my dad's engineering business and I remember selling. I found factoring. It was in Sports Illustrated. And it was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. A uh, big company wasn't paying us one of the big automakers. And I remember factoring. It took like five days to get that, five business days to get our money. And by the way, thankful because I could make payroll. But uh, it was it was expensive money. So if, you, so if right. we could avoid it, we would do it sometimes. Other days we'd say, no, we're not going to sell it. We don't need it. We just got paid on this deal. So it's nice to have options. It's nice to have other players. So, and, and to your point, you're not you're not in that business. You're just connecting.
0: Right, right, right. And you know, for all these parties we talked about, Joe, there's the automation part, but then there's the data, right? We talked about $119 billion and what data insights can you take from that? And that's, to me, something I'm really excited about is to be able to extract the data and say, what do we learn from this data? And there's not enough of that in the industry either. How do we make better decisions on what loads I like or you know, what does a carrier really do? What what are their key routes? What's good business, what's bad business, which providers are best to work with? How do we how do we take days and weeks out of payments? So there's always great insights we can make. And we want to remain neutral. So we're gonna be really sensitive as we move down that data path. But we really want to provide to those parties on that load in the in our ecosystem and connecting them better and having them talk to each other With no human interaction whenever possible, and that's where a lot of power comes from.
1: Yeah, so I was going to say when you think about that download on that phone, anything that that you can do for that driver that makes his life easier, help him get you know track his hours. Obviously, that's part that's the kind of table stakes as you mentioned, but getting paid faster, routing anything that makes his life easier, and so he's going to carry that at eight hundred thousand drivers a month using it. It's and so I always say this kind of almost like ladies' night. You've got all the carriers on your app. So if I'm a broker or a factoring company, I want to get there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned shippers is the last customer segment you work with. How are you working with those fellows? Yeah, so we can do uh, – we, we have some shippers
0: in our portfolio that are doing the, the workflow automation as well. They have the same challenges with document management and you know the complexities with that. And a lot of people that are working on this manual – labor that man it should be automated today the other thing we're doing that i'm really excited about we've spent quite a bit of money and time on as part of our super app building an electronic bill of lading and you know, you think about, <laughs> yeah and that's that's something that is it's happening it's in a moving target and you think about like i think about the fedex experience where you have a delivery that comes to your house and you know we have to sign for it and all the documentations, you know, shared with, you know, with the parties that need it. And now today there's times where your Amazon comes, you don't get, you don't have time for anything and it's put outside your door. If you're okay with that and you get a picture of it and, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome to see where it was. And so the idea of electronic bill lading is you get a driver that goes into a shipper's facility. How do we keep them inside the cab, they don't have to get out of the cab at the guard gate. They don't have to get out of the cab when they hit the right dock, so we can direct them to the right dock. We, they don't have to, you know, all that's seamless. You can use geofencing to tie that together and automatically sign off on that documentation. It was a huge, important initiative during COVID saying, hey, we don't want the driver. We want the drivers to be safe, right? We also don't want them to interact with the warehouse folks and so we want them safe as well. So let's keep them in the cab and make their lives easier and get them in and out faster. And so uh, it's a big initiative in, in the industry as a whole. The, a challenge has been, it's a moving target from what's the right specifications that needs to meet. What's the standard, right? right? The standard. And it's very challenging to get the right standard. You have a lot of different associations from the shipper side and from the broker side and TIA is doing it and SMC3 and all these different parties are setting their standard. And so we're trying to bring those groups together to come up with one standard. Uh, we're starting with the, the carrier, the driver in mind is the core. Hey, It has to be a great experience for the driver and make it simple for them, all in the power of that mobile app. And obviously we want it great for the shipper as well. And so we're working, we're doing a lot of focus groups and studies, but we have now, we we have a MVP, a minimal lovable product that's out there right now. We just launched for for shippers and carriers. And we're definitely going to keep evolving that that uh, that offering. So, really excited about
1: you guys are the ones who have to set the standard. It can't be. There's a lot of great brand new tech companies, but they aren't in business for 30 years. They aren't being downloaded 3.2 million times. They don't have 800,000 right. drivers on that app every month. So, when the standard is set, it has to be set by a, an industry leader. And uh, you mentioned what you're doing, the money you're spending, the time you're spending, the effort you're putting into it. That's what's required to get a standard. It can't be a uh, Joe, and, Joe and Bill are really great at tech and they're creating a perfect, <laughs> a perfect BOL in their back room. That ain't the way it can work.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's fun when you hear stories from drivers, especially saying, man, I don't know what I would do without you. Or you made my life so much easier and you helped bring me success. And so that part's really fun with all of our solutions.
1: So, Bill, I know I've gone way past my time already, but I'm going to ask you uh, answer in any order you want. So, what's next for you? What's next for Transflow? And then, what's what's next for this industry in regards to what we've talked about today?
0: Yeah, I think what's next for me and Transflow is we are going taking a company that's 30 years in, and we see some some big opportunities for growth, which is exciting. But we see a, a huge opportunity to help solve problems for our customers that are universal. Pain points that we can solve, and that gets around the intelligent automation, workflow automation, the hyper automation we talked about, and really doubling down on that and bringing incremental value in automation to the the market. But also the super app we have talked about. We have 3.2 million downloads. We're going to accelerate the value of what you can do inside that app and bring more and more value in terms of the industry. I, you know, I think the automation piece is a massive trend. You know, especially with the headwinds that are out there in the in the in the industry, the economy, inflation, and there, there's so many challenges and that folks are facing today. So it's important what we're what we're helping enable in our with our solutions is to bring success, really, in any economic environment. To help companies stay successful and be prepared for anything they're they're up against in this coming year.
1: Excellent, excellent. So, Bill. Um what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, I'll put a link to okay. Trans, Transflow and any other marketing apps if you guys have any explainer videos or white papers. Yeah, we do. Links to links to uh, how how we how do we work with you guys? I'll put those in the uh, show notes. And um what conferences are you guys going to be at? Do you get to all of the major conferences?
0: We I was at uh I think 10 conferences myself in the last oh. several. Yeah, so I was a road warrior and um it's nice to be off the, the treadmill from that perspective but we we go to all the big conferences a couple that we have coming up are the there's an the ifa which is a factoring conference there's two conferences coming up we have t and that's, those are in february and may for factors there's uh tia which is coming up in april we're certainly there we have the freight wave conferences we're, we'll be at both of those tca is a trucking event, which is fantastic in June. And then there's an executive conference, BGSA. It's Ben Gordon's.
1: Yep. Yep. That's in January. Yep.
0: yep that's in January as well. So we'll be at almost everything out there. And, you know, we'll Are you, to are you guys
1: going to get to manifest in January too? We'll be there. It's our, it'll be our first time there. So look forward to well, It's only their right. second conference. I actually I'll see you there, Bill, cause it's my uh, first time there too, but it, um, I've just, I'm, I'm supposed to talk to Pam Simon coming up here and, uh, Man, they're doing a lot. They, they, I talked to everyone about what conferences they went to, and people raved about their last conference. So I'll be at their next one. <laughs> Put you on the spot here. Who else should I interview on my podcast? Oh, give boy. me a name. Well, there's some,
0: there's some, uh, some obviously some great voices. You've done a great job. So congrats on all your success. Oh,
1: thank for you. Bringing
0: awesome guests on. I'd say too, that I'm a big fan of Schneider Logistics. There's some 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 people, Aaron Van Zeeland and and Ben Shuker. They're the leaders of their the brokerage there, and they are super innovative, great ideas. They're thought leaders, and I, I think you'd enjoy that. Another option is there's a Phil Yates is is our point person for Bergall Sagemount, our our private equity group. He does a lot of investing in freight technology and has some great stories. He was an investor. Oh, so I'd say those are two interesting people that you'd enjoy talking to and
1: I would them. like that. I would like that. I will get them on here if I can. Bill, I know I went way over my time, so I appreciate you being so uh so accommodating. <laughs> but uh oh, thank you ahead. so much. I'm really glad we finally got a chance to talk. We've we been trying to do this for uh, probably 2 months it seems. So uh yeah, thanks again for being so patient and uh, making it to uh make it to my show finally. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed
0: it doing a great job and uh go blue we got a mission oh that's
1: right that's right yeah my my beloved wolverines are uh hopefully gonna win at tcu and then who knows maybe we'll play ohio state or georgia that's gonna be great anyway yeah oh that's right are you gonna go to the game it's out in arizona michigan's playing TCU. I would. i'm gonna be out of town so i'm gonna miss it so i hate to say that all right. well Bill, thank you so much I really appreciate you taking the time again I've, we've been looking for, I've been looking forward to it for months so thank you so much thank you I really enjoyed it Joe Yeah my pleasure and thank all of you for listening to my podcast your supports very much appreciated until next time onward and upward